It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning and welcome in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with yours truly here for the next two hours until 11 a.m. Eastern. A lot to get into, a lot to go around the sports world. It's very exciting as you are really every Thursday. I love these Thursday shows. I love the Monday shows. Love the Thursday shows can kind of take a step back from the weekend craziness, really get some thoughts flowing, and hopefully, at least for the next two hours, give you some exciting thoughts, some fun sports talk, and keep you entertained um, for the next two hours as we inch closer to Friday. That's always the goal here. Keep you informed, entertained. Hopefully, again, make the next two hours, especially if you're starting work, if you're in the in the car commuting, if whatever you're doing to uh, make us a part of your morning. We appreciate that, and hopefully we can make your morning a little bit more enjoyable. As we come to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios, with its great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in person in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or online, wherever you are, at BigItalyPizza.com. NBA Draft was last night. We'll get into uh, a few thoughts with that. We have Week 11 of the NFL. Three storylines I'm watching. We'll get into at 9.20, 9.40. Did you see this story yesterday? And now, unfortunately... Unfortunately, it was proven to be false. But there was a report early yesterday that Giants head coach Joe Judge, their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, not only got into a fight during practice, it got physical, it was a fist fight. And that Joe Judge immediately fired Colombo as soon as the fist fight ended. But apparently, allegedly, Colombo got the best of him. Now, that was an erroneous report, really good reporters all over ESPN, NFL Network, Giants, you know, those were on the Giants beat. Also, that report of a fight, a fist fight, a physical fight was false. But had me thinking, if there was five NFL coaches you wouldn't want to fight, you don't want to get in a fist fight with, no matter who you are, who would they be? So I have my five. I'd love to get your five. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hicker Show, also on Twitter. Which head coach do you not want to fight in the NFL? I'll give you five. Love to get your thoughts again. Facebook, World Wide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Top of the second hour. We'll do that at 9.40. 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, or 8 a.m. Central Time, wherever you're listening to us. The Saints have a quarterback question, we'll say. Not a controversy. Obviously, we know who the starting quarterback is in Drew Brees. There's not too much controversy surrounding it. But it's more of a question of who will start under center for the Saints this upcoming Sunday against the Falcons and maybe in the foreseeable future as Drew Brees tries to get healthy from five cracked ribs and a partially collapsed lung. Sounds very scary. Sounds like he's in a lot of pain. The answer, I feel like the quick answer, the obvious answer is Jameis Winston, right? He's the guy who can step in. He stepped in on Sunday. Um, For the most part, took most of the snaps under center for the Saints once Drew Brees didn't come out for the second half. But the more I thought about it, the more I tried to make the case for Jameis Winston, the more I kept coming back to this makes so much sense from the Saints' perspective to start Taysom Hill at quarterback. So we'll discuss that at 10 a.m. why I believe so um, and why I think 
for this season, for the long term, makes the most sense for the Saints to start Taysom Hill quarterback for the next two, three, four, five weeks. We're not really sure how long Drew Brees will be out for. It's kind of up in the air, but at least on that interim basis, Taysom Hill should be the starter. As always, Hickey's Pickies um, at 1040 Eastern. We'll have the great Mike Biseglia on the show. Have some fun. Go around the NFL. Give a, a great, a great slate of games, both in college and in the NFL. The last few weeks, we were kind of searching for some games, kind of stretching a little bit uh, of games because we try to include the best five games in college and the pros for Hickey's Pickies. It's been a little bit of a struggle the last few weeks, you know, picking five of the best games, we'll say. But this week is loaded. A few ranked versus ranked matchups left out in college football. Um, a few great matchups in the NFL left out. It's been, it's going to be a very tough weekend. It's a very exciting weekend for those of us who enjoy both the NFL and college football. Let's get into all that. Really, uh, really fun and jam-packed show to get into. I do, though, want to start with these proposed rumors, this proposed idea, this this want of James Harden to join the Brooklyn Nets to form a trio in Brooklyn, right? It'd be Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. And of late, in case you missed it, you know, the Rockets, at least are trying their best to keep James Harden with them. They even gave him a two-year, $103 million extension, which would make him the first $50 million a year player in NBA history. James Harden said, no, thank you. I'm turning down the money. Trade me. He said to the Rockets, and oh, by the way, trade me to only one team, the Brooklyn Nets. Make it happen. Let me go play with Kyrie. Let me go pay with, play with KD, excuse me, and let me go try to win a title with Brooklyn with that big three. And this week, a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about what a big three in Brooklyn would look like, how everyone I see on, on Twitter for the most part is all for this idea, thinking that the, the Nets for sure are going to win titles. I've seen people saying they're going to win multiple titles. But here I'm sitting here, and I put out a tweet earlier this week asking a smart basketball mind because I tried to think about how this big three would work in Brooklyn. I tried to go through the machinations in my head. Oh, well, you know, maybe James Harden now, you know, as we know for his postseason struggles, well, he's not going to be the number one guy. Maybe that that, you know, less of pressure will maybe make him a better player, having him be the third option, the second option. Maybe we'll take some weight off his shoulders. He'll be able to play more free. Well, Kevin Durant, you know, coming back, one of the best players in the NBA. You know, talent-wise, Harden, Kyrie, KD, three of the top 15, 20 players, depending on really where you put Kyrie in that, in that argument. So, talent-wise, no one's going to have more talent. Sure, the Lakers have AD and LeBron. But no one has three stars like the Nets would, right? Last offseason, it was the, really the, the case of the dynamic duos. Two guys teaming up in that. We saw, at least in Brooklyn, was Kyrie and KD. Now, if, if James Harden goes there, it'd be the big trio, and there's really no other trio in the NBA so far that we can speak of that can match what Brooklyn has. But every time I try to go through in my head how this would work, how this could possibly be successful in Brooklyn, I come back to thinking it's not going to happen. I can't find one reason why I think James Harden going to Brooklyn, teaming up with Kyrie and KD would be successful, would lead to a Nets title. I can't see it. And I guess I'm in the minority. I thought for sure people would see the flaws that I'm looking at and realize, you know what, it's not going to work. Instead, everyone that's tweeted me, everything that I see on the internet is all about excitement, all about how the Nets are really going to get this done. They're going to win a title. So let me lay out the few reasons why I have severe doubts that a Harden, KD, Kyrie trio would lead to a title in Brooklyn. Number one, 
One of the biggest, I guess, retorts to my thinking of that this won't work is that we had this conversation every time a big three is formed. Oh, every time, you know, these three stars line up, it's, the question is always, how will they fit? How will they play together? It's not going to work. And then we see them win a title. Brooklyn, I mean, Brooklyn, Boston, back in 08, they had the big three form, KG, Paul Pierce, uh, and Ray Allen. Um, you had, obviously, uh, LeBron James go to Miami, team up with Chris Bosh, Chris, Chris Bosh, easy for me to say, and Dwayne Wade. Most recently, you had the Warriors, Kevin Durant, joined Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to form that big three. And obviously, all three of those examples won titles. In the Heat, in the heat case and the Warriors case, they won multiple titles. But here's what those big threes had in common that the Nets' big three would not have in common. How about leadership? Let's look at leadership in Brooklyn compared to leadership in the others. Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant. Excuse me. Kevin Garnett. We'll start with the Boston Celtics. The ultimate alpha dog. He's one of those guys that was an emotional leader that if things got tough, if they got off to a rocky start, he could lead the Celtics back to where they should be, back to playing better, and kind of take a hold of the ship, if you will, and prevent it from sinking. Miami. LeBron James, the unquestioned leader. Everybody else followed LeBron. Sure, Dwayne Wade was there first. Right? It was Dwayne Wade's team. LeBron and Chris Bosh joined him in Miami. But there was no doubt LeBron was the leader. He led on the court. He led off the court. And again, we saw explosion that first year. There was a lot of turmoil, a lot of drama, a lot of controversy. They were able to smooth out the waters, and eventually they won two titles, went to four straight NBA Finals. In part because LeBron James, the leader, stepped up, and when things got tough, he prevented things from getting a lot worse. How about Golden State? Kevin Durant comes in. Right? They're coming off their 73-win season when they blow a 3-1 lead to the Cavs. Steph Curry, the great leader that he is, took a step back. Because it was his team, no doubt, right? Him, Steve Kerr, Clay Thompson formed this Warriors culture. Team basketball, passing it around. But let's, no, let's make no bones about it. It was Steph Curry's team. He was the catalyst. He was the driver of the bus, if you will, for the, for the Warriors when they really hit their stride and started taking off. Well, Kevin Durant comes down, a big personality. Steph Curry took a step back. Him taking a step back, welcoming Kevin Durant, and almost treating Kevin Durant like it's his team, despite the fact that he was the, the latecomer, the newcomer, that is incredible leadership that made Kevin Durant feel welcome, feel comfortable, and that's why right away they're able to go out and win two titles. Sure, they had a lot of talent than everyone else. But Steph Curry's leadership of taking a step back and making Kevin Durant feel welcome was why they were able to get off the ground so quickly. To do, I could point to the Celtics, to the Warriors, to the Heat. All great examples of leadership. When I look at this Nets trio that I possibly could form, I don't see a leader. Who, I like this, who is the leader in your mind that could take control when things get rough? Kevin Durant. As we saw, especially of late in Golden State, he's extremely passive-aggressive. He prefers to drop you know, subtle hints on social media that maybe confront a teammate or answer a question in a press conference head-on. So he's very passive-aggressive. Kyrie Irving, let's just call for what it is. Kyrie Irving is a bad teammate. He throws players under the bus, whether it was Boston, whether it was last year in Brooklyn. He passes off responsibility. He passes blame on to others and not on himself. That's not what you want in a leader. And James Harden doesn't really have the personality. He's not a vocal leader. He seems like someone, honestly, who is disinterested when the going gets tough. So I don't see a leader out of the big three here 
that will take control of the team. When things get rocky, if there's turmoil, if they get off to a slow start, don't forget you're in a massive media market. Sure, they're in Brooklyn, but it's the New York media. The national spotlight, especially if they get James Harden, everyone will be focused throughout the country on the Brooklyn Nets. So there will be a lot of media speculation. There will be a lot of media attention on every move the Nets had, just like really the Warriors had in their five-year dynasty run. You need a strong leader, and so far I don't see one. So that's one of my concerns. No leadership. How about chemistry on the court? Again, I know that's another question of, oh, how will these guys play together? And whether it was uh, Miami, whether it was Golden State, whether it was Boston, they figured it out. But here's why, again, this big three in Brooklyn is different. Why are we giving the benefit of the doubt to two players out of the three that we've seen in past stops haven't been able to play nice with others. Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with LeBron James. Wanted to get out of LeBron's shadow, go make his own mark. Gets traded to Boston. Talks about how happy he is in Boston. Talks about how he wants to play there for the rest of his career. I'll re-sign if you, if you, if you have me. Remember that famous press conference? Talking to the Boston fans. If you'll have me, I want to be here. But guess what? how that, how that went? As Kyrie played longer in Boston... As the young stars, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum started coming to their own, Kyrie Irving started becoming a bad teammate. Couldn't really fit in with them. It got to the point, if you remember, when the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics were a better team when Kyrie wasn't playing. He was never able to mold his game to fit in with Brown and Tatum. There was all these questions about his leadership. He would subtly throw young players under the bus in Boston. And he couldn't really fit well. So if he couldn't really play well with LeBron, if he couldn't play well with the young and upcoming players in Boston, why are we going to assume he's going to play well with Kevin Durant and James Harden? I don't, I don't get why we're just all of a sudden assuming Kyrie Irving is going to be a good teammate and actually want to and enjoy playing with these other two players. James Harden. Let's not stop with Kyrie. Let's also look at James Harden. James Harden has had multiple opportunities to play with different stars, and guess what the common thread was? It didn't work out. Dwight Howard came to Houston. That marriage was never able to work out. Ended pretty badly. Chris Paul, that era on the court was successful. Remember, right? They went to two straight Western Conference Finals. Actually had a 3-2 lead on the Warriors before Chris Paul got hurt. On the court, that was successful for sure. But off the court, they hated each other so much. Couldn't stand each other off the court. Now that marriage ended qu- uh, before, sooner, rather I should say, than it, than it actually did. Chris Paul traded maybe a year or two too early. In, in return of that trade, you get Russell Westbrook. They were never able to kind of get on the same page on the court. I know you can blame the pandemic. Their styles, again, their, their ceiling was, was higher than it was, I think, with Chris Paul and James Harden, but still wasn't able to get a title done. Or, you know, to me, good enough to win a title, I should say. So again, if James Harden has shown whether it's Dwight Howard or the CP3 or it's Russell Westbrook, he couldn't get it done. Couldn't play nice. Couldn't figure out to change his style in order to um, fit in with others. Why are we going to assume he's going to go to Brooklyn and then change his game to fit in with KD and fit in with Kyrie? Not to mention, speaking of on-the-court cohesion, let's also call for what it is. Harden and Kyrie play similar styles of basketball. They thrive with the ball in their hand. James Harden. Last season, third in the NBA in usage rate. How much did he have the ball in his hand? How much did the offense go through James Harden? Third in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, eighth. 
These two players are used to having the ball in their hands, used to controlling the offense. And as we know, what do both have in common? They are both tremendous off the dribble. They try to mess you around with the dribbles, through their legs, where am I going? This way, this way, stutter step, drive to the hole, step back shot. They thrive off the dribble. So one of them is going to have to play off ball. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm not sure who's going to be volunteering to say, you know what? Yeah, you, you handle the ball, Kyrie, or James, you bring the ball up. You start the offense. I don't think that's going to exactly go smoothly. So whether it's their playing styles, whether it's leadership, whether it's cohesion and playing with others, I don't see how this trio would work. And I guess I'm in the minority because every time I threw that thought out there, people are saying, oh, it's going to work. This is the big three excuse we use every time. And then, you know, in three years when they win three or two or, or one title, we'll be saying the same thing about the next big three. I can't find one area to where I look at and say, you know what, that, yes, it could work. Putting three really good players together and assuming that they will play well together is a dangerous assumption, especially when it comes to this three. Three mercurial personalities. I don't see how they coexist. Not only three mercurial personalities, three mercurial personalities in a massive media market. Tell me how that ends well because I can't see it. So if the Nets trade for James Harden, to me, it would hurt their title chances, not help it. So I'm curious your thoughts. I went a little long there. I'm sorry. Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. Ryan Hickey Show also on Twitter. How does the Nets, how do the Nets win a title if James Harden is there? Because I don't see it. So should they trade for James Harden? Will this trio in your, in your mind work? Would they be the favorite to win the NBA title in your mind? Is anyone with me? Because on Twitter, on social media, it seems I'm on an island here. I'm thinking it won't work, but everyone else is assuming it will. So I'm curious your thoughts. If it works, how does it work? Who is the leader of this trio? I'm very curious your thoughts. Again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, or also on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show. So we'll get your Nets thoughts. How does Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden play together and win a title in Brooklyn? Please explain to me because I don't see it happening. So get your thoughts when we come back. Three massive storylines I'm paying attention to for week number 11, including a huge NFC West battle that possibly could um, decide the division later on tonight on Thursday. And we'll get your thoughts when the Reineke Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on this Thursday morning. Trying to figure out how a James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant trio works in Brooklyn. I don't see it happening. I don't see how it ends in a title for Brooklyn. I think it ends in drama and an early playoff exit. That's what I see. So I'm curious your thoughts. Again, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook. If you go to Facebook, I think I'm currently being cucked by one of my best friends. That's him and my girlfriend are flirting it up. So I guess you can go there and check that out as well. Maybe I might be single by the end of the show. We'll see. If so, ladies, hello. Um, but we are talking about that. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Network Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. 
if you want to tweet me there um, as well. 10 minutes or 12 minutes or so. Five NFL head coaches you wouldn't want to fight. Or, if you want to put it in a different way, which head coaches would you want to fight? Would you feel good about if you had to meet them in a dark alley and you feel good about your chances of leaving there victorious? I'll tell you the five I don't want to fight, but either way, with the ones you want to fight or the ones you don't want to fight, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show. We'll get to that in 10 minutes or so. Coming off the um, now false and erroneous report, but at the time, for the few minutes that I was out there, a very juicy storyline of Giants offensive line coach Mark Colombo and Giants head coach Joe Judge. Allegedly, that's proven, again, to be false, but there was a report out there for about 10 minutes or so. They got into a fight, specifically into a fist fight. Colombo allegedly won, but unfortunately, everybody with credibility has said that did not happen. So we can dream of stories like that coming uh, to fruition. Maybe it will eventually, but unfortunately, we will have to wait another day for a, uh, a coach fight to break out. Um, but, hey, you know what? We'll have a little fun with it anyway. And that, again, is in 10 minutes. Three storylines I'm watching for in week number 11 of the NFL season. We'll get to these quick. And like I said, it's a great Great slate of NFL games this weekend. After a few weeks of eh, nothing too much, nothing too much to write home about, it's a great week. We'll start with an interesting battle of two teams kind of on the down low. Can one of them bounce back? Titans-Ravens coming up on Sunday. Which team can really get on the right track? Because both have struggled of late. Titans have lost three out of four after a hot start. Ravens lost two out of three. Still a decent record. They're both six and three. The Ravens' problems, though, kind of mirror all season long with their offense that's been really scuffling. So quickly, if you take a look at the offense for the Ravens in 2020 compared to what it was in 2019, the numbers are are starkly different. Yards per game, the Ravens last year were second in the NFL in most yards per game. This year, they're 22nd. A 20-spot fall for yards per game for the Ravens from last year to this year. They are 31st in passing yards per game this year. Now, they weren't terribly high last year. They didn't pass a lot, but the difference was they were super efficient last year when they passed. The Ravens had the number one passing efficient offense in the NFL. Again, they didn't pass for a lot of yards. They didn't pass a lot, but they were deadly when they did. 31st in passing yards, only better than the New York Jets. (laughs) Uh, A lot of teams are thankful for the New York Jets because they are dead last in almost every single category. And in points per game, Last year, the Ravens were first in points per game, 33.2 points per game. This year so far, 12, 27. So almost basically a touchdown less per game to scoring this year than they were last year, 33 to 27. So obviously, there's a big enough sample size, nine games in. Now, you know what? This Ravens offense obviously isn't as potent as it was last year. They got to figure it out because if they don't figure it out, guess what? They're not going far in the playoffs. Came into this year thinking this Ravens team was the biggest threat, was the biggest hurdle the Chiefs had to climb in order to get to back-to-back Super Bowls from the AFC. Right now, that the Ravens are not that team anymore. So I'm interested to see, against a Titans defense that has struggled, can they get on the right track? Can Lamar Jackson get going? Can the run game get established? Because where was the Colts game a few weeks ago? Last week that we saw on Sunday Night Football against the Patriots, they just can't run the ball. They're not that efficient in running the ball, and in doing so, their passing game has struggled. So can they figure it out? Because on the flip side, the Titans, similar to the Ravens, started out strong, but now both their offense and defense 
have slowed down tremendously. First five games of the season, the Titans went 5-0. and And remember, in that five-game stretch, there was that COVID scare, or I should say COVID outbreak, where they had the game against the Steelers postponed. They basically kept out of the facility for almost two weeks. And they played that Tuesday night game against the Bills team that was surging. What was it? Again, it was a week and a half after basically being uh, forced to stay home the entire time. And they came out and stomped out the Bills. An impressive victory to where everyone watched being on Tuesday night. Everyone watched them come off a long life and thought, oh, you know what? This Titans team, they're legit. So within that first five games, they scored 32.8 points per game. Well, the next four games, they're one and three. They scored just 21.1 points per game. So the offense has slowed down. They're not running the ball as well as they were. In doing so, the passing game with Ryan Tannehill has struggled. And let's go for what it is. I still feel confident in the Ravens making the playoffs. If they lose, if the Titans lose this game, the Ravens win, the Titans fall to 6-4. and four. I am legitimately nervous about the playoff hopes for the Titans. I really am. They have a tough schedule. They play the Colts on the road next week after this game. The Titans' playoff hopes after starting off 5-0 and oh, could be in serious peril if they fall this week to the Ravens. So I'm mean, very interested to see which team gets going. I think it's going to be the Ravens. I think especially coming off that Sunday night performance, I think they'll be fired up. And I think they'll get it done. So that's the first thing I'm watching for. How about this one? Have you guys seen this? This might be one of the most ridiculous stories of 2020 so far in the NFL. And we've said that a lot. But this beef that's brewed this week between the Chiefs and the Raiders has been wild. In case you missed it. So back in week five, right, the Raiders and the Chiefs played it in Kansas City. The Raiders won that game. It's the only loss on the Chiefs schedule. After the game, allegedly, apparently, the Raiders took a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium to celebrate the win. This got back to Andy Reid somehow. He's pissed off about it. John Gruden is pissed that he's asking, who is getting asked questions about it. So I'll give you both sides because this is both from this week, and this rivalry seems like it's going to really you know, take a, a step up. So here's John Gruden this week. He was asked about this so-called victory lap. Here's what he had to say about it. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadium, just to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. So Gruden is pissed that he's getting asked these questions. Andy Reid, really, who's the first one that kind of brought light to this alleged victory lap, spoke this week basically saying, the Chiefs, yeah, they celebrate their own way. He's not happy about the big victory lap. Here's Andy Reid from earlier this week. They won the game, so they, they can do anything they, they want to do. Uh, uh, they end up winning the game. That's not our style, but we'll, we'll get ourselves back, ready to play, and that's where we're at. So this has, this has really gotten interesting. Andy Reid is legitimately pissed about a victory lap that's happened, and if you hear John Gruden's side, which – you know what? I believe him, and, and Max Crosby was on a different radio show earlier this week basically saying, nobody knew what was going on. They're on the buses. The buses are circling the stadium, and the team's like, what the hell are we doing? So it's not like John Gruden got on the bus and said, fellas, we beat the Chiefs. We're going to make our victory known. We're taking a victory lap to let everybody in Kansas City know the Raiders were here and the Raiders won. Arrowhead Stadium is ours. You would think that's how it went down based on how Andy Reid is very upset saying that they can sell whatever they want. They won the game. It's not our style. The Chiefs' social media this week 
posting pictures of the last time the Raiders and Chiefs played, basically saying, we let our play do the talking. The Chiefs are legitimately fired up about this so-called victor lap, which the year John Gruden essentially was just to get back at a Chiefs bus driver who I guess was talking some smack probably before the game. Hey, fellows, you know, best of luck. You know, really really better bring your end game today. Don't come back on the bus all pissed off when the Chiefs whoop you by 40. Sort of something like that went down. And John Gruden, I guess, took that to heart and said, you know what, screw you. We're going to remember and let you know that we won this game. Take a victory lap, bus driver. We're going around the stadium. So when was the last time you've ever heard Andy Reid this pissed off? Because it sounds like he took it personally. And with that being said, ridiculous or not, this is totally ridiculous. This is, this is very college football-esque. Let a small slight, a very Michael Jordan-esque thing as well. He, MJ is probably loving this. A small slight, a slight, not even directed at the Chiefs, not directed at Andy Reid. If anything, the Raiders trying to get back at a bus driver, a random bus driver. He probably takes the, the, the Raiders from the hotel to the airport and back. That's it. He is taking a, a small slight and trying to use this as fuel for the Chiefs to really dominate the Raiders. And that is bad news for the Raiders on Sunday night. Because not only are we all going to be watching on Sunday night, the Raiders' defense is not exactly built to slow down this Chiefs' offense. 25th so far in the NFL in passing yards per game. They're 21st in total defense. And if you hear Andy Reid being as frustrated as he is, right? Again, I can't remember off the top of my head. Andy Reid being this upset publicly with another coach with another team. With how creative Andy Reid is, I don't think he's going to take the foot off the gas on Sunday night. This could get ugly. So we have this game in Hickey's pick. Don't give him my pick, but I'll just say this. I'm feeling pretty comfortable taking, taking the Chiefs. I feel pretty comfortable the Chiefs covering the spread. This, could, this is an revenge game. This is Andy Reid showing up. They're all mad. I'm very, I can't wait to see the postgame interaction if Andy Reid just runs to the locker room, says, screw you, I'm not even going to touch your hand or, or shake your hand, John Gruden. This is going to be fun. And finally, massive game tonight. One of the best Sunday, uh, Thursday night games. Forget what date is. One of the best Thursday night games of the season. Cardinals Seahawks. Because there's a chance the division could be decided right here tonight. Three way tie in the NFC West. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, all six and three. The big difference, though, Cardinals already beat the Seahawks once this year in that incredible Sunday night game in overtime where the Cardinals hit a field goal with under a minute left. The Cardinals win again, this time in Seattle. They take it essentially with a tiebreaker, a two game advantage over Seattle. Massive. Right now, the Seahawks are trending in the wrong direction. They've lost three out of four games. Their defense has been horrendous. Last in total defense. Last in pass defense. 28th in points per game allowed. Those are recipes for success if you're trying to slow down a Kyler Murray-led offense that has been clicking of late. The last five games, the Cardinals are 4-1. and one. They're averaging 33.6 points per game. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, red-hot connection. So, yeah. Seahawks catch them at a bad time because their defense stinks. Russ is now trying to do too much. I think that's what's led to the turnovers. He's trying to force it because he realizes this defense isn't going to get me a stop. I got to do it on my own. In doing so, he's forcing throws that shouldn't be made. This has a recipe for the Cardinals getting the victory on the road tonight and taking a hold of the NFC West. I'm feeling really good in Arizona. I really am. So I'm curious. I lay out those three, right? Titans-Ravens. Who do you think can get on the right track? Who needs this game more? Titans or the Ravens? 
How much will the Chiefs win by? I'm serious. This could get ugly. This could be a 60 spot here from Andy Reid to John Gruden on Sunday Night Football. How much will the Chiefs win by? Seahawks Cardinals today. Who you got? Those are just what I'm watching. Is there a storyline you're watching that I left out? Easily could overlook it. Is your team playing a big game that I just didn't give enough respect to? Give me your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. WWSRN underscore radio. Tweet me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. We'll get your thoughts. We'll get your tweets. We'll get your comments. When we come back, five NFL head coaches I would not want to get in a fist fight with. We'll get yours as well when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're here for the next hour, 15 minutes or so, until 11 a.m. Eastern. Hickey's Pickies to finish the show. Why Taysom Hill should start for the Saints. We'll do that in 15 minutes at the top of the hour. But the biggest story of the week so far, the biggest story of the day, came out yesterday. Unfortunately, it was wrong. So let's just call it first. Unfortunately, it did not happen, at least from credible sources that know what they're talking about. But there was at least a report early on yesterday that in practice, Joe Judge let offensive line coach Mark Colombo, if you remember Mark Colombo, former um, Cowboys offensive lineman, a massive human being. Joe Judge let Mark Colombo basically know that, hey, I'm bringing somebody else in as a consultant. You know, you'll still be the offensive line coach, but here's some help, essentially. Well, apparently that, that exchange did not go well. Again, the report was false in saying that it got physical. But it got me thinking. If there was a head coach you had to fight, if there was a head coach that we saw, you know, walking down a dark alley, which, which five do you least want to fight? Because Joe Judge, I'll be honest. Maybe I'm wrong here. Doesn't seem like a guy that, you know, I would be very worried about fighting. Like, like when he said, you know, when the report was out there that Joe Judge and Mark Colombo were fighting, I was like, oh, boy. For Joe Judge's sake, I hope that's not the case because he'll be in the hospital. He won't be coaching this week's game if a fist fight actually occurred. He would lose that battle 10 times out of 10. So it got me thinking. Which head coaches in the NFL would you not want to fight? Would you look at it and say, oh, man, I'm in big trouble? So we're doing power rankings. So I'm curious your thoughts before we get into this. Which head coach would you least likely or would you least want to fight in the NFL? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Also, you go to me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. Lauren Clark writes on Facebook, what about the top five NFL coaches I would want to fight? So if you want to fight somebody, how about that? If you see an NFL head coach, you say, you know what? I could take that guy. That guy's a punk. Matt LaFleur of the Panther, uh, of the Packers. Maybe um, Bengals head coach um, Zach Taylor. Whatever head coach you want to fight, you can write in there as well. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSR underscore radio. But I will do at least the top five NFL coaches I would least want to fight in the NFL. We'll go from we'll go in ascending order. So number five. This is going to be, I think, an interesting one. Maybe a surprising one to most. Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. Obviously, he's a string bean. Right? He, he's, he's lanky. He's tall. It doesn't seem like he has a, an ounce of muscle on him. But for me, the thing that scares me with Kyle Shanahan is the mindset. This guy just seems like one of those SOBs where if you get in a fight, it's like, oh, man, this guy's never going to give up. Now, look at the 49ers this year. 
They have injury after injury after injury. He is still fighting to the death in order to just get this team victories. So they're not going to make the playoffs, but he's coaching his ass off in order to at least get to 8-8, eight eight, let's say, right? 8-8 eight eight would be a successful season despite coming off the Super Bowl because of how many injuries the 49ers had. And he is not letting them get any worse than that. So he's a guy that doesn't give in, keeps on fighting to the very end. And if you're in a fight, he's one of those guys that he, I think you just could knock out. He'd just keep on coming back. You get a, a, a good right punch to the jaw. Maybe you knock him down. He's going to get up and keep on coming back. And I don't know about you, the longer someone's in a fight, I feel like the, the worse it is for the other guy. So I guess in that situation, it would be me. So Kyle Shannon seems like a guy wouldn't go away, wouldn't let himself get knocked out, and wouldn't leave the fight without winning. No matter how many punches he's taken, no matter how much blood he's lost, I feel like he would be a guy that says, I am not losing mentally my mind, so I'm just going to keep on going. That's not a guy I would want to fight. So Kyle Shanahan, in terms of coaches I do not want to fight, number four, uh, number three, uh, number five. Holy cow. I, <laughs> oh, we just started. Kyle Shanahan, number five on the list of coaches I would not want to fight. Number four, Romeo Cornell. I don't care about Romeo Cornell's age, my interim head coach for, for the Texans. He is 73, which honestly, I just found out yesterday. I thought Romeo Cornell was younger than that. So I was a little surprised, 73 years old, and you think, all right, this guy's old, right? Romeo Cornell, you can maybe run around the ring for a little bit for, for doing boxing. Or for, you know, if you're in a street fight, you should be able to beat a 73-year-old in a fist fight. But here's what scares me about Romeo Cornell. I feel like he's one of those guys that has that old man strength. He's quiet. He's unassuming. But as soon as you get into a situation where it escalates, where you know what? Punches are going to be thrown. Fisticuffs are going to happen. He's not a guy I'd want to mess with. He's one of those dads, I feel like, that sure, you can mess around, you can joke with him, and then as soon as things get serious, he's going to throw one punch, two punches, and it's going to be over. So age be damned, 73, that man is a house. He is a house that I am not looking forward to seeing in a dark alley. That old man trying to think it would come out, Romeo Cornell, 73 years old, doesn't matter the age. He's on number four. Of the, of the coaches I would not want to, fight, uh, want, want to fight. Number three. These next two fall into the unassuming category. Mike Tomlin. I feel like Mike Tomlin just kind of flies under the radar. One of these guys. Very quiet. Very unassuming. You know what Mike Tomlin is? Mike Tomlin is very businesslike. You ever hear his press conferences? He is matter of fact. He tells you as it is and is short and simple as it is. He approaches every game in a business, matter-of-fact manner. And if we got into a fight, I feel like he'd treat it as a business trip. And I'm, I'm, I can't lie, scared, very scared of that. Because look at Mike Tomlin's press conferences. He, is, he tells you what needs to happen. And guess what? I feel like he would know what to do if, it, if we get into a fight. And not to mention, from a looks perspective, he has those big, beady eyes. I think he's one of those guys where if you get the, if he gets the look in his eye, because his eyes are so big, you can see the look. It's like, oh, boy, I am, I am, I am not, not kidding. I am running for the hills. If you're looking at Mike Tomlin, he goes, you know, he gets that crazy look in his eye. Maybe after one punch, maybe it's even leading into the fight. Forget it. Those eyes are bugging out of his head. I am out. I am out. So top five so far, Kyle Shanahan five. Romeo Cornell, number four. Mike Tomlin, number three. Maybe the most silent assassin of all, number two. Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins. You know the saying, it's always the quiet ones you got to look out for? Right? The quiet guy in the group, if there's a fight, all of a sudden this guy comes out of nowhere, 
like Herculean, throws two guys through a table, punches three more guys, and just t- basically takes care of business on his own. But he's those, one of the most quiet guys there. You, sometimes you forget he's even there. That's what I feel like Brian Flores is, and that's what has me scared and having nightmares at night if I had to see this guy in a dark alley. If I had to fight Brian Flores for whatever reason, if I'm a coach and things got physical, if I'm a player and for whatever reason I'm trying to fight my head coach, I don't care if I'm the best shape of my life as an NFL player. That's not a guy I'm messing with. Because he doesn't say much. Right? If you listen to press conferences, he's very Bill Belichick-esque. Oh, you know, we just got to play really good defense. Uh, these players really play well, and uh, hopefully you know, we'll take care of business. He is, he is Bill Belichick in press conferences. Take a listen to any press conference before the game, after the game, during the middle of the week that Brian Flores does. He is very monotone, doesn't give you a lot, very quiet. He always has, a, I feel like, a snarl on his face anytime. Obviously, this year it's a little different with the masks on, on the sidelines, but anytime you see Brian Flores, doesn't really look happy. And let's call for what it is, physical-wise. The guy's solid. He is solid. He is built. He is lean. He's a guy that has, I feel like, a lot of power behind some of those punches. So he's a guy, similar to Mike Tomlin, where very quiet, very unassuming, to where if you had to get in a fight, Brian Flores not only would kick your ass, he would do it so quickly and then pretend like nothing happened. If you saw Brian Flores two minutes later, you would never know that guy just got in a fight. I think he'd be very quiet, just, yeah, it happens, you know, sort of thing, like just pretend it didn't happen um, because he's very businesslike and just kind of, you know, I got to take care of business, got to do this, boom, all right, now that's over, let's get on to the next thing. That scares me. It's always the Kawhi ones you got to watch out for. So Brian Flores at two, Mike Tomlin at three, Romeo Cornell, age be damned at four, Kyle Shanahan, men- mentality-wise, that guy that I'm not going to lose this fight has a worried he's at number five. Number one, the number one NFL head coach in all the league right now that's employed, should have said that earlier, that's employed, that I would not want to fight. So like this one's easy. This one's going to be a very popular answer. Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. This guy has it all. Let's go with size, right? Former defensive end. He's 6'4", 261. He's a brick. He's a brick house. Solid. This is a guy last year when the Titans were playing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Before the game. So not leading into the game on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Not, you know, on Saturday, maybe after, or maybe after the game when the season's over. Like three hours before kickoff, this guy is on the field in Arrowhead doing push-ups in shorts. And from now, I think it was like 10 degrees that day with a wind chill that was freezing in Kansas City. So he's in Kansas City in the middle of January doing push-ups on the field in shorts. That's not a guy I'm trying to mess with. So he's a massive human being. Crazy to where, you know, he's one of those tough guys wearing shorts in January. Not to mention, too, he's getting a lot of credit now, and it's finally starting to get noticed. But on the field, in, in football terms, he's very tactically smart. Remember last year in the playoffs against the Patriots, he purposely took those penalties in order to kill the clock, right? He knew if you take a false start here, the clock shouldn't keep on running, they'll reset. Bill Belichick did it earlier that year against the Jets. And then Mike Vrabel did the same thing to him. Mike Vrabel this year has taken some interesting penalties on purpose in order to massage the clock in his favor. That in a game against the Texans, he put too many men on the field on purpose to save the clock. That gave him enough time to go go down the field, tie the game, they won in overtime. This guy is a tactical genius. And guess what? If we're in a fight, that gets me worried, to be honest. He's going to know what he's doing. 
Maybe he'll, he'll even let me throw a punch or two just to get me feeling good, and then boom, deliver the knockout punch, boom, kind of get me where he wants him, or yes, get, get me where he wants me, and then finish it off. He's not one of those guys who's just going to throw a flurry of punches, hope one lands, and then get tired out in like a minute or so. Tactically genius. He's a hoss. That's 6'4", 261. And just a crazy guy. So Mike Vrabel, to me, has it all. There's no NFL head coach right now that they could beat up Mike Vrabel. Player-wise, I'm not even sure if there's anyone out there that could beat up Mike Vrabel. If Mike Vrabel and Mark Colombo were in a fight, again, I'm feeling very bad for Mark Colombo. When Joe Judge and Mark Colombo get in a fight, I'm praying for Joe Judge that this is not true because he's not going to be able to coach that game because he'll be in a hospital. But if Mark Colombo and Mike Vrabel fight, I'm praying that's true for Mark Colombo's sake. Because not only is he losing that fight, he's going to get fired right after. So you, you lose the fight and you get fired. Mike Vrabel, not a guy to mess with. Player, coach, whoever. And I am certainly, certainly not messing with him. So my top five. Least, least likely to want to fight. Kyle Shannon at five. Romeo Cornell at four. Mike Tomlin, three. Brian Flores, two. And at number one, Mike Vrabel. So I'm curious your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Also, Ryan Hickey Show right on Twitter if you want to tweet me directly. I'd love to hear the coaches or the NFL coaches you wouldn't want to fight. <laughs> My guy Nick writes on Facebook, GACE, in all caps. I'll be honest. So I fought with number five. Or I should say, I fought for the fifth guy for a while. I ended up choosing Romeo Cornell because, again, I, I think the old man strength has something that I'm worried about. Adam Gase, no joke, was the guy I was considering putting in there because of the crazy eyes. He's one of those guys that when you're in a fight, right, there are some things you can't account for. Like Mike Vrabel, Romeo Cornell, Mike Tomlin, Brian Flores, I think they're, they're, you kind of know what you're getting out of those guys for the most part. You know what to expect. You kind of have an idea. All right, look at him. He's solid. Maybe, you know, I can get a punch in or two, but, you know, you kind of feel like know what to expect. Adam Gase, because of the eyes, I think he has, there is some craziness within Adam Gase that has me worried, like uh, almost like an unexpected wild card where this guy's going to try some crazy stuff, throw some things you really don't expect. And, you know, that has me worried because when you get a little crazy in a fight, Maybe he's one of those guys that if he takes a punch, will will like it. You know, he like likes the taste of his own blood, and then just go psycho mode as soon as you know from there. Gage has me worried. I can't lie. He was someone I was seriously considering putting on the list, despite again being a string bean like Kyle Shanahan. It's the craziness, man. You can't account for the craziness when it comes to a fist fight, when it comes to a street fight. Now, if only Gage maybe could use that craziness to draw up some good plays on offense. Maybe you know. Then we're talking, but this seems like a guy, nothing to lose. Seems a guy, again, with the crazy eyes, has me very concerned for my safety if we're getting in the fight. So in case you missed it, Joe Judge, Mark Colombo, the fight that never happened, but had me thinking. Top five NFL coaches you wouldn't want to fight. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSR underscore radio. Also on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show. For me, Mike Vrabel, the one coach I would never, ever want to fight. Followed by Brian Flores, Mike Tomlin, Romeo Cornell, Kyle Shannon. I'd love to hear your list. I'd love to hear your coach. You wouldn't want to fight in the NFL. Again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Or tweet me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. Hickey's Pickies, 40 minutes from now. When we come back, the Saints have a quarterback question 
Not controversy, but question. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. I'll tell you at least my answer for who the Saints should start is Taysom Hill. We'll do it next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hour two of this program going until 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. 10 a.m. now. Jeez. 11 a.m. Eastern. Coming to you, as always are, from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Where it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in person in Medford. Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore or online wherever you are at BigItalyPizza.com. We just did the five top five NFL head coaches you do not want to fight. Joe Judge, I'm sorry. Well, not sorry. Just the facts. I am not. Joe Judge does not make his way on that list. He's a guy I feel pretty confident in. If, unfortunately, we had to come to fisticuffs. But Kyle Shanahan, number five, because he's a crazy SOB that I don't think w- would give up. Romeo Cornell, old man strength. That guy's a house. Even at 73, I'm not fighting him. Mike Tomlin, very unassuming. Brian Flores, it's always the quiet ones. You got to watch out for it. Brian Flores is the quietest guy. Mike Vrabel, number one. Massive human being. Crazy in the head. Tactically smart. I think that's a bad matchup for anyone. Player, coach in the NFL. Mike Vrabel is not the guy you mess with. So anyone on your list. Ryan Hickey, show on Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook. Comment. Retweet. Yeah, I guess that's all you can really do. Right? Comment or tweet. Yeah, so drop your comments, drop your tweets. We'll read them on the air uh, before we get out of here at 11 a.m. Eastern. So, we still, like I said, have Higgies Pickies coming up in about 40 minutes from now. We will talk to the great Errol Marks about the NBA draft in a few minutes or so um, as well. But I do want to get into this conversation of who should the Saints start a quarterback for this week? Last week, Drew Brees. Um, Suffered five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung in their win over the 49ers. We assume he's going to be out a few weeks. Sean Payton, we say the word assume. When you hear five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung, you're all right, no human being in their right mind is going to come back next week, let alone, you know, maybe the rest of the season. Sean Payton planned it extremely close to the vest and not giving anyone any sort of answers. This is Sean Payton when discussing his quarterback controversy, his quarterback question, we'll say, earlier this week. By announcing none of it benefits us by announcing that player earlier than later. I wouldn't project or, or answer that in any way. I wouldn't. We'll see how this week unfolds. I wouldn't project. I wouldn't answer it in any single way. It gives us basically a tactical advantage to keep it under wraps, not allow the Falcons or the rest of the NFL to hear what we're doing. Okay. That's fine. I get that. Right? You have two options, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. The more I thought about it, right, I feel like Jameis Winston, the knee-jerk at your reaction, say, who should start at under center for the Saints? You say, boom, Jameis Winston. Right, former number one overall pick. They brought him in on a one-year deal. He's a, he's a quarterback that fits the system better than Taysom Hill was or does, who is essentially, you know, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. Plays receiver, plays running back, throws the ball, plays wildcat quarterback, plays tight end, blocks the special teams. 
He's all over the field. Technically, he's a quarterback. Not only technically he's a quarterback, Sean Payton believes he could be a good NFL quarterback. So the more I think you think about it, right, the knee-jerk reaction, boom, Jameis Winston should be the starter for one game, two games, three games, four games, five games, whenever Drew Brees comes back, Jameis Winston, you plug him in, the offense can basically remain the same for the most part, and then you just tread water until Drew Brees can come back. Here's why, though, the more I thought about it, the more it makes more and more sense for Taysom Hill to step in and play quarterback in the absence of Drew Brees until Brees returns. Here's, the, here's really why I think this. I think it makes sense for the Saints. I think if you're a Saints fan, you'd want Taysom Hill to start. And here's why. It gives you the best chance to gauge how Taysom, is, Taysom Hill can play for your long-term future. A few non-secrets, a few obvious facts. I think Drew Brees, this is his last season. He's kind of flirted with retirement this past offseason. They signed a two-year deal. I think everyone assumes this is Drew Brees' really kind of last run. This is his last dance, if you will. I don't think that's a secret. It's also not a secret that Sean Payton loves, is infatuated with Taysom Hill. For a reason, honestly, I don't really know. So Sean Payton's been asked about Taysom Hill a lot in recent years. He's repeatedly said he believes not only he could be an NFL starting quarterback, on an every down, mind you, NFL starting quarterback, he believes Taysom Hill could be a winning one. So this is just, it isn't just lip service from Sean Payton. He is glowingly praising Taysom Hill. But not only is he glowingly praising Taysom Hill, he's backing it up financially. This past offseason, they gave Taysom Hill a two-year, $21 million contract extension before the season started. Do you know where that puts Taysom Hill in terms of the quarterback market? Taysom Hill, with that two-year, $21 million extension, is now the second-highest-paid backup quarterback in the NFL, only behind Jacoby Brissett. Think about that. Taysom Hill, a gadget player, a wildcat quarterback, a receiver, a running back, a special teams personal protector, really anything but a quarterback, is the second-highest-paid backup quarterback in the NFL. Sean Payne's not messing around. He's not just throwing money away. It's not like the Saints have a ton of money to throw around. They're going to be in cap hell next year. So this is a massive investment on someone that Sean Payne actually believes in. So in playing Taysom Hill now in a three-game stretch and a four-game stretch and a five-game stretch, I think best helps the Saints for the future. Best see what do we have now can Taysom Hill actually be as good as Sean Payne believes? Because this is a guy we know nothing about. Taysom Hill, this is his fourth year in the NFL. Fourth year. For someone who Sean, pra- uh, Sean Payton praises consistently, do you know how many completions Taysom Hill has in his four-year career? Again, as a quarterback, he is designated to be a quarterback. That's the position on the roster. Sean Payne has said he is a winning quarterback. He will be a successful NFL quarterback in the future. Taysom Hill has completed a grand total of 10 passes in four years. Guys completing, what is that, two, basically two completions a season. And all of a sudden here, Sean Payne saying this this guy could be an NFL starting quarterback. So we we have zero clue. We have no idea what Sean Payton 
or I'm sorry, we have no idea what Taysom Hill could be as a quarterback. So Saints fans, hear me out. This is why I think it would make a lot of sense for Taysom Hill to start as a quarterback. Right now, Sean Payton believes this guy could be successful. The last thing the Saints need is to hitch their wagons to Taysom Hill for a season for even longer than that and bet on him being successful. I don't think Taysom Hill is a good quarterback. I, I flat out don't. I don't think he'll be successful. I think he's a gadget player. I think he's a gimmick. And even in that gimmick role, I have grown tired of Taysom Hill very quickly. I don't think it's going to work. But you got to save yourselves as Saints fans, as a Saints organization, going forward. Because guess what? If Sean Payton is praising Taysom Hill, thinks he could be this really successful quarterback, pays him to be, like in his mind, a successful quarterback, well, hell, if Drew Brees retires, Super Bowl or not, Sean Payton could be crazy enough to say, you know what? Here you go, Taysom. Here are the keys to the offense. You are starting quarterback in 2021. That, I think, would be a total disaster. I think that would be a massive, massive mistake for the Saints. I think that, that's the last thing you want. So here's why I say start Taysom Hill in this, in this, mini, in this mini stretch here of games. you got to see what, what possibly could come out of, of Taysom Hill playing quarterback. You don't get it in four plays at a time, in five plays at a time, in having him throw the ball a total of 18 times. He's attempted 18 passes in three and a half seasons. You need a larger sample size. So playing in this three or four game stretch allows you to see, can Taysom Hill even show some signs of competence as an every down quarterback? For me, the answer is no. But you better hope that Sean Payton sees it and is not basically banking on hope, banking on what he sees in practice to give Taysom Hill the keys in 2021. I think you already know what Jameis Winston is. I said this on the show two months ago. I thought the best chance for a Super Bowl for the Saints was Jameis Winston at quarterback. I really do. The struggles that Drew Brees has in the postseason to me have me seriously concerned and to me, lower the ceiling for the Saints. So I love Jameis Winston. I think he'd be a great fit in New Orleans. I think Sean Payton is the perfect coach to coach out, if you will, all the turnovers that Jameis Winston commits on a game-by-game uh, game, game game basis. So I think he would be an awesome fit in 2021. But we already know what Jameis Winston is, right? We have an idea. You know the talent. You know the arm. You especially know the arm talent that he has. How he fits into this outfit, I think, is less of a question than it is for Taysom Hill. And for me, if I'm a Saints fan, I want Taysom Hill out as soon as possible. So let him play in this four-game stretch. See what he has. Because the last thing you want to do is a Saints organization that even if Drew Brees leaves next year, this is not a rebuild. This roster is still legitimate. This is still one of the best rosters in the NFL. You just hope to plug and play a quarterback, and you're going to be right back in the Super Bowl mix. So for me, you don't want Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback. Let him play three games, four games, and see what he has so then you know for a fact going into 2021 what to expect if he's any good, if he can handle the responsibility of taking 60, 70 snaps under center for a game-by-game -game basis. Because if you're going on hope, which Sean Payton has, you're in big trouble. And you look at the schedule. The schedule the next four games. If Drew Brees misses the next four games, right? And 
not outrageous. Again, five rib fractures and a collapsed lung. Drew Brees is going to come back next week. The Saints, the next four games, are home against the Falcons this week, at the Broncos, at the Falcons again, at the Eagles. Those are winnable games. We should win all four. Taysom Hill or James Winside quarterback, you should win all four. So because you're playing bad teams, now is the time to take a risk at quarterback. Now is the time to maybe try something out and see how Taysom Hill fits in this offense to see if he can be successful or not. So, it's not a season-ending injury where Drew Brees can't come back and you got to get Jameis Winston and you got to give your team the best chance to win a Super Bowl without Drew Brees. Brees is going to come back. He'll be back, it seems, by the playoffs, maybe sooner than that. So this is the only chance Sean Payton and the Famous is going to get to see an extended look at Taysom Hill before maybe, possibly, handing the keys over to him in 2021. You think it's crazy? Sean Payton loves this guy. Paid him to be a quarterback, raves about and, and continually says that he thinks he could be an NFL starting quarterback and a winning NFL quarterback. So Sean Payton continues to go out of his way to praise Taysom Hill and continues to believe he can be a good quarterback. you got to figure it out. you got to see it in game action because practice is one thing. you got to see it in the games how this guy plays because if it's bad, the last thing you want is to hand him the keys in 2021 with a good roster, with a good offense, and have him mess it up. You will never get a chance like this ever again to see really what you have right now on the roster. And you can make an accurate and, and decisive decision on the quarterback position for 2021. Knowing, okay, we saw Taysom for four games. This guy's not as good as we thought. Let's move on. Or you know what? Maybe craziness happens. Maybe the impossible happens and he actually plays well. We'll see. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't think he, he really can be an every-down NFL quarterback. But Sean Payton does not, I guess, agree with that assertion. So Saints fans, let Sean Payton see what he has. If not, this guy, possibly, could be your starting quarterback in 2021. And that's not something I think any Saints fan really wants to hear. That's why at least I believe, start Taysom Hill, see what you have, use this as a mini tryout in the three or four games that Breeze will miss, and reevaluate from there. Look at 2021 while you're still in 2020. Because Breeze is back. He'll be back for the playoffs. So this is not a, you know, take us the rest of the year sort of situation. This is just tread water for three games, for four games, maybe five games. And then let's get Drew back here and ramp up for the postseason. Because to me, it makes sense from a future perspective for the Saints to start Taysom Hill. So I'm curious. I would love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSR underscore radio. Uh, Twitter, also at Ryan Hickey Show. So tweet me. Right on Facebook, we get your thoughts. And when we come back, Errol Marks will join us to discuss the NBA draft from last night. Um, exciting stuff. Knicks, Knicks are making some moves. Knicks are making some competent moves as well. Nick Errol, big Knicks. And we'll discuss next. And Hickey's Pickies, 1040 with the great Mike Biseglia. We'll get to all that. This is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
slow on the controls, and that is what happens. We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on a Thursday morning, a chilly Thursday morning. We appreciate you making us a part of your morning. NBA draft came and went last night. The New York Knicks actually looked decent, making a, a few trades, trading up, getting Obi Toppin, getting Emmanuel quickly. We'll see how it works. A diehard Knicks fan, a big basketball himself. It is the great Arrow Marks. Arrow, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How are you? Yo, we are we are chilling. How about how about yourself? How's everything going? Everything's good, man. I'm alive. You know, I have my health. That's all we can uh, look forward to right now with everything that's going on in the world. I was just going to say, at this point, really, the bar is set very low. You know, as long as we're breathing, I feel like it's uh, it's it's a good thing, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because everything that's going on in the world, you know, you kind of put it in the back burner and just think about, think about all the good things that uh, – we're doing with our network and everything that we're doing with our show. So I'm very excited about the future. Yes. No, me as well. It's good. Things are coming. Good things are definitely coming. All right, Errol. We could only hope. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. So you want to come on, you want to talk about the NBA draft, big Knicks fan yourself. what do you think about the NBA draft yesterday? What are your thoughts? You know, it's, it's funny because um, after the Knicks uh, drafted Obi Toppin, a lot of people didn't like the draft pick, and I, I was looking, I was looking at the draft, and I know everybody was looking at the Knicks trying to find that the Knicks were, you know, the thing, the weakness of the New York Knicks is the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Over the last couple of years, uh, drafting Frank Nilakina and then making, uh, you know, some moves in trades. Uh, these point guards really didn't work out for the New York Knicks. Uh, free agency just hasn't worked out. So a lot of people thought, you know, you know, the Knicks are going to go after a point guard in the draft. Um, before the draft, in my eyes, the Knicks needed to go after one and one player only, and that was Obi Toppin. And and when the Knicks went from yesterday from 27 to 23, I had a feeling that the Knicks were going to do anything in their possible ability to move up if they had to to go after Obi Toppin. Uh, there were rumors coming out at one point of the day that the Knicks were trying to make a trade with the Golden State Warriors to move up, move up at two, not to go after Wiseman but to go after Obi Toppin. So um, I think that a lot of Knicks fans just need to sit back. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the Knicks, in the last couple of years, they just haven't drafted well. They drafted Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and then they wound up trading him. And look, Kristaps can't stay healthy. Again, a knee injury, could miss half the season uh, going into the season this year. So um, I think when when you look at the draft, it's, it wasn't – a lot of people say this wasn't a depthful draft. It wasn't a lot of great players. It was very top-heavy. Right. right. But, but uh, whenever they say that, the draft turns out to be a very good draft. So um, I, I think that when you look at the Knicks position and what they did, you're absolutely right, Ryan. This was a completely different Knicks team. Have you ever seen the Knicks do, you know, make moves, trade down, trade off, get more assets, and then trade out a bit to get more assets in the future. We have not seen the Knicks do this in a very, very long time. And not only and, that, Errol, they did it without taking yeah. on insanely bad contracts or insanely old players. Like, they, they wheeled and deal to trade up in the, in the first round, trade up in the second round, and did so by just by swapping extra picks they had. And again, not just, bare, you know, uh, I guess like um, uh, batting themselves down with, with bad contracts on other players. They actually, it seemed for the first time, in a long time, knew what they were doing, had their picks, like you said, didn't trade the farm to get over top and just kind of played it out, waited it out, and it worked out in the end. Something actually went right 
for once for the New York Knicks, and they did it themselves. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. It's great to see. Yeah, and and they got and they got the two players they were they were gunning for. If you really right. look at it, Obi Toppin was their number one guy on their board. Out of all the guys, everybody thought it was Lamella Ball. They were going to move up for Lamella Ball. They had no interest in Lamella Ball. Everybody thought, hey, they got to go after Wiseman. Wiseman's the, the most talented player, and a lot of people thought in this draft they didn't go after him. They they were gunning for Obi Toppin, and they were gunning for quickly uh, the kid from Kentucky, the three yep. point shooter. The guy that's going to spread the floor. A lot of people, even Speedy, I was sitting there watching the draft with Speedy, and it's like, I didn't like the pick. And I said, how could you not like the pick when the Knicks have had, haven't had a wing that can shoot in such a long time? And you heard John Calipari yesterday. He says he's going to, quickly is going to spread the floor for the New York Knicks. So in, in thought of what the Knicks are trying to do and what the Knicks are looking at, they are slowly but surely looking like a real organization. So um, I, I think that the draft was very inter- interesting. Uh, Chicago was really reaching at number four. I was uh, with, with, with Williams. I, I was very surprised they went with him. Um, I also was very surprised that uh, Michael Jordan drafted LaMelo Ball. Uh, over the last couple of years, LaVar Ball has come out and said that Michael Jordan, he feels, is not, is not the greatest basketball player of all time. Right. And that he has said that one-on-one, any one of his sons in the prime of his career could have beaten Michael Jordan. So I, I, I think it's – and even himself. So I think that, you know, the fact that his son went to Michael Jordan's team, that his son's going to be playing on Michael Jordan's team is just – to me, it's, it's, like a, it's like a world round. You know what I mean? It's like the planets are colliding. So let, I, I just, let me ask you this, right? So obviously, especially in the last dance, we we really got a sneak peek behind Michael Jordan, just what makes him go, right? He'll take the smallest slights, he'll make up slights, and just like his entire life, it feels like is based on motivate or revenge, right? Getting you back for whatever you did. What do you think? Because I saw this a lot on social media, so I hope it's true. Do you think there's anything behind Michael Jordan drafting Lamelo Ball? In order to get him in the uh, in the practice gym, get Lavar Ball in the practice gym, and set it forward, set it straight. Hey, you want to talk smack? That's okay. But here we're, we're playing right now, and then I'm going to tell everyone when I beat you 11 nothing, 21 to one, whatever it is. You think he's trying to get his revenge? Maybe I don't, we won't say sabotage Lamelo's career, but let's just say get a chance to actually get Lamar Ball in the gym and just take him to town. I honestly don't think that was the reason why he drafted LaMelo Ball. I really don't. I think Michael Jordan knows in his heart, uh, with, bl- with as a bl- putting on a blindfold, he can kick the you-know-what out of LaVar Ball. I don't, oh, totally. I don't really think he had But he also, he also didn't need Ball. to make up half the stories that he did to play against some you know, bad, bad players, but he does it. Like, he's just one of those guys that just thrives and lives for revenge. LaVar Ball went out of his way to talk smack. Like you said, oh, my sons will beat him. I'll beat him one-on-one. This guy's not that good. You don't think that's just sitting like you don't think Michael Jordan has that plastered somewhere in in his uh, in his estate, maybe in his bedroom on, on his ceiling. There's just Lavar Ball quotes. I'll beat this guy one on one. He was not that good, and he was just waiting for the day because he knew it was going to come. Just waiting, seething for a chance to get some revenge. I don't know. It's not as crazy I feel like, as it could be. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because Michael Jordan, like you said, has done things like this before. 
uh, with some of, with DJ Armstrong. When he retired, he used to play. You know, he used to go and practice with DJ Armstrong and telling him that he missed he misses the you know misses the game of basketball and that DJ kind of talked him into coming uh, to practices and coming to play with the team and that it kind of swayed him to come back and, and win a couple more championships with the Chicago Bulls and make the dynasty even more stronger than anybody would expected. Um, I think. I think in, in Michael Jordan's heart, he believes that LaMelo Ball was the best player on the board, and he was arguably the best player in this year's draft. I think that Michael Jordan, in the transition of what he thinks this team is going to be, he needs a superstar. And really, let's be, let's be honest, Cumber Walker, the fact that he let him go, I believe was a big mistake. But uh, I believe LaMelo Ball is going to be better than Kemba Walker. I think LaMelo Ball could be arguably one of the best point guards in the NBA with his size, his ability, his athletic ability. Once he works on his shot a little bit more and be, a, be is a little bit more consistent instead of shooting 29, 30% at the three-point line, if he can figure that out, I, I, I do believe that Michael Jordan believes that he was the best player in the draft and he can change uh, not only the uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, future, but absolutely put the Charlotte Hornets back on the map as an organization in the NBA. It's interesting. I, I'm hoping, honestly, I would love, love, love to hear that, you know, the main, again, Lamar, uh, Lamelo Ball, very good player. Ho I hope, too, part of the motivation was let's get this guy in here, let's play LeVar Ball, and then let's let the entire world know how it went. I think we all know how, how it would go. Um, any other surprise there on your mind uh, watching from yesterday, first round, second round? You, you like how, uh, or anything else, any else uh, crazy in your mind stand out? It's so interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, everybody thinks they know that this guy's going to be good. And you watch, you go through all social media. This is why I hate social media. And even though once in a blue moon, I'll go on my Twitter and I'm surprised I have over a thousand people that follow me on Twitter now. I don't know how, but um, when I do go on Twitter, when I do go on these different uh, platforms, uh, a lot of people are predicting and contrasting what's going to be a good pick, what's going to be – I mean, you should hear some of – there were a load of Knicks fans that were very happy with Obi, uh, Obi Toppin, a load of them, including yours truly. I think Obi Toppin could be the best player in this draft, even though he's 22 years old, probably the oldest player going into this draft. Uh, being that I believe he's a New Yorker, he wanted to be here, I think he can transition the game. But oh, I, I'm reading some of these things that people are saying about some of the picks. I, you can never understand or know what these players are going to be until they start to develop. Donovan Mitchell, a couple of years ago, which the Knicks wanted to draft, uh, they decided to pass up on because A.K.A. Phil Jackson thought Frank Nilekina would fit his triangle offense. Boy, oh boy, the Knicks right. are biting their tongue right now. They're biting their tongue. Um, I love this Israeli kid. I really do. And I, I, I he. He obviously was drafted by Washington. I was very surprised he fell to the ninth pick because I thought he was a top five, top three pick. Uh, a lot of people compare his skills to Luka Doncic. He's a better rebounder than Luka Doncic. He's got to work a little bit on his, his three-point shot, but he's, he's still one of the youngest players in this draft. Uh, I, I hope Obi, Obi Toppin is the guy, but I thought it was crazy how this Israeli kid deny, or deny fell all the way from uh, possibly a top four, top three pick, all the way to number nine. I think Washington got a steal. I think Washington could have gotten the best player in this draft. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player in the NBA. So that was the thing that really stood out to me. That was the play that really stood out to me 
falling all the way to nine, and and Chicago drafting Williams at number four. That made no sense. Yeah, that that definitely was uh, was very interesting. Errol, we I just want to ask this before we get out of here. So earlier, or did you did you see the report? Now again, it was a false report, but did you see the initial report yesterday of what came out of Giants camp or Giants practice with Mark Colombo and Joe Judge allegedly, again being falsely uh, reported, but allegedly came to blows in an actual fist fight in practice yesterday. Did you see that report? Yes, I did. I talked about it on my show, and I thought it really existed. I thought the fight really happened. There was an argument. I do believe there was an argument, not a fist fight. Um, oh, um, two or three weeks ago, Joe Judge uh, decided to take over the reins of the offensive line. Right. As you can see, the offensive line look, has looked a lot better since he's taken over. Yes. Uh, Jason, he, Jason Colombo is Jason Garrett's guy. Uh, I won't be surprised if you hear in the next couple of weeks that, or at the end of this year that the Giants are going to fire Jason Garrett uh, because obviously he doesn't fit in the mold of Joe Judge. I love Joe Judge, okay? I didn't think that he was he was the right fit for the New York Giants in the beginning because uh, I thought Matt Rule was the guy, and I think Matt Rule is going to be a, a sensational coach in the, NBA, uh, the NFL. But the fact that this guy is gritty, he's – he doesn't hold back. He he took a shot at the press at the press conference last week when, uh, after the Giants game. Uh, he he just to me he fits the mold of a New Yorker, a Tom Coughlin, aka Bill Belichick mold. I think the guy doesn't hold back on what he feels and what he believes. And if he if he feels right away that that guy isn't the right guy for the job, you saw it. He'll fire him. I, I think the Giants have the right guy in position. I really do. I. As, as a Jet fan and looking in a different, um, you know, as an analyst and as a broadcaster, looking at it in a different way, not just as a fan, but as a, a projective guy when it comes to looking for the t- a coach that's going to fit the mold of your organization, Joe Judge is 110% the perfect guy for the New York Giants organization moving forward. I think it's uh, – I think it's an interesting story. I think, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to – I think a lot of the press is trying to take the, uh, the, the stories away from the New York Jets because the Jets are a complete um, – Well, know, let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you this, Errol. Um, if there was – so in that vein, right? So I, I'm with you. I don't think the fight happened. But if, if there was a fight to happen, which NFL head coach are you least wanting to fight? Honestly? Um, what I've heard about this particular coach, even though he's an old guy, I wouldn't want to mess with him. And that's Bruce Arians. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yes. I, I, I heard some stories over the years in Pittsburgh. Um, I've heard some stories, uh, when he was in Arizona with some of the players, I think he's a player's coach, but you do not want to cross him. And I think he's one of those guys. You can see he, he doesn't take any, uh, Bull, you know what? From yeah. Anybody. So, I, I would say out of all of them, I know a lot of people are going to go with the younger, the bigger, the stronger coach. I mean, John Gruden is another guy that really stands out to me. John Gruden? Are you kidding me? If John Gruden is in, um, it was in a dark what? alley, I am welcoming that fight. I'm not a fighter. I'm not a big guy. <laughs> He's one of the few guys like, all right, you know what? I actually like my chances. John Gruden. Come on, Errol. I think it's Bruce. I'm just telling you what people say about John Gruden. You, did you hear about uh, over the week? I, I forget what what was uh, came out. John Gruden like bugged out at somebody. I mean, John Gruden is one of those guys that he uh, you, you know can flip the switch with John Gruden. 
I think that, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say Bill Belichick or uh, they're going to say somebody. You're not going to say Kyle Shanahan. Look at he's out this thing. Kyle Shanahan, mentally, I'm telling you, mentality-wise, I'm not fighting Kyle Shanahan. He's one of those guys that's not, <laughs> that he's not going to give up. Look, look how hard he This team, this 49ers team stinks, right? They have injuries out the wazoo. They're one quarterback injury away from me and you being under center. This guy is still game planning his butt off in order just to try to go eight and eight. Like that, that's the ultimate ceiling. He's, he is desperate to do whatever he can to go eight and eight. He doesn't give up. So you know what? That gets you nervous. If we're in a fight, you can punch this guy in the face 10, 20, 30 times. He's going to keep on coming back, and that gets me nervous. The longer the fight goes, I don't like my chances. You know what's funny? Uh, I know I know you love Kyle Shanahan, and I am not a big <laughs> fan of Kyle Shanahan. I, 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 a matter of fact, I would say I'm on the, the least uh, – you know, I'm on the naughty list when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, okay? But um, I think – I think when you look at Bruce Arians, the fact that he's more of a father figure, he'll he'll put you on his his legs and and, and smack you in the butt if if, if you if you do something wrong. He's that type of person. Yeah. I, I just he's that type of guy that I would be scared of. If I'm going to sit in a room and he's going to tell me I want to talk to you in my office, I'd be afraid <laughs> to sit in the office and hear what he has to say. That's he's fair. Like a principal, you that, know what I mean? Yeah. No. That that so, is that is very fair. I like that answer. Errol, appreciate you coming on, buddy. Thanks for your thoughts, and uh, thanks for coming on, man. Really do appreciate it. Always love talking to you. Great show, Ryan. I love you, man, and uh, keep doing it and, and keep working on, on what you're doing with your content. It's a great show. Guys, if you don't listen to him, he, he's got a great, great, uh, great show. So, Down to the wire with Errol Marks. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday? Uh, did I mess? I'm sorry. Monday, Monday, down to the wire, and Wednesday, uh, below the mic. Yes. I'm actually... I'm actually going to cut those names out very, very soon and rename those two shows. So stay tuned for that. New logo, new everything. Whoa. Uh, I've been working on it. So, yeah. A so. rebrand coming to the evening shows on Monday and Wednesday right here on the Worldwide Sports for Eric. Errol, you're the man, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. The great, incredible Errol Marks. Bruce Arians, one coach you wouldn't want to fight. I actually like that. Bruce Aaron's, I was questioning whether to put him on my list. I left him off. I like that, uh, I like that answer. I like that reasoning. When we come back, 1040, Thursday, it's a staple. Hickey's Pickies with the great Mike Pasego when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back here on the Ryan Hickey Show, taking you to 11 a.m. Eastern. But it is Thursday. It is 1040. What that means, time for Hickey's Pickies. I am always excited for our next guest, but very excited for our celebrity guest picker this week. A man who, if you're a foodie, foodies, you are in luck this week. We do a lot of sports on the Ryan Hickey Show. We don't venture too much into other stuff, which I apologize for. But this week, I'm very excited because we were having a well-diverse man. He knows sports. More importantly, he knows about food, and he knows a lot about food. The host of the great Mike Delivers podcast. Download on iTunes. Subscribe. Does a great job. Ryan Rucco, the great broadcaster on the show recently, talking about Mike's Uber Eats and all his adventures as an Uber Eats driver. You could imagine now, with the pandemic, with everyone taking out food, he's going to have a lot of stories. He does a lot of deliveries. And guess what? You can find those funny stories, all those interesting experiences and the people he meets on the Mike Delivers podcast, it is the great Mike Besegs. The Mike in Mike Delivers podcast. What's up? Uh, what's up, Besegs? 
Not much, Mr. Ryan Hickey. How uh, how's everything going? Beautiful. New dad, a son yeah, new- with a great name, and Ryan. Yes. So I named my son Ryan. It it wasn't named after you, but can I? Let me just say this, if this makes sense. Like, you know, when you're going through names, like if you're going through names, you're like, I want to name my son or my daughter Esmeralda. And you're like, which Esmeralda do I know? <laughs> Are you saying so you heard Ryan you're like, wow, that Ryan Hickey guy, great guy. I want my son to be like Ryan Hickey. No, no, not that at all. <laughs> but what we did say was, you know, Ryan Hickey, I, he's not bad. So we can wow. continue the names. You know what it's like, 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 let's say you knew a guy named Jay and it's like, oh, I know, a, I know a Jay that's awful. Like you would eliminate Jay. From yes. Name. Does that make sense? Totally. Oh, I, I totally agree. Guy, the name, <laughs> names like Jay, you just can't trust anyone named Jay. So I would totally understand right. why, you know what, you hear exactly. that name, it's like, I don't want my son to be like that. Let's skirt away from that one. Let's go down another path. Exactly. I like that. That's one of the nice things you ever said about me, Besegs. Not yes. bad. When I think about yeah. that name, it's, it's not a bad thing. Wow. Well, take yeah, it. And if, and if you do listen to my podcast with uh, Ryan Rucco, I gave him the same exact line, and he gave me the same exact feedback. So uh, this is kind of my shtick now, I think. That's with the right. Ryans, I know. It's a, it's a Ryan uh, – it's an it's a und uh, – well, what do we want to say here? It's a um, – oh, now I'm blanking on the uh, – it's an unspoken rule about, you know, you mm. carry the torch of Ryan's. So your son That's one right. day will understand, like, ah. Oh, this is a big responsibility with the name Ryan. We got to, you know, yes. so many great Ryans have come in the past. We got to keep that torch going. We can't give the name a, uh, a bad look. I like that. It's, yeah, I, I mean. Ryan, I didn't even speak to Ryan Rucco, and we both have the same answer. We know. It's a, it's a mean, torch yeah. you got to bear. Yeah, I know. And my son's already feeling the pressure of it. He's like 10 weeks old, but I can already see the fear in his face. He's like, oh, no, like. I know about this Ryan Hickey and how amazing he is. What if I can't live up to his potential? What if I'm not able, you know, make a prediction that Indiana is not going to cover 20 <laughs> points spread against Ohio State? What happens? And my nerves, I'm just going <laughs> to lose it. So I can already see the fear in, in his eyes, uh, and I blame you. You know, it's it's one of, it's unfortunate. You know, kids are supposed to be carefree. You know, when you're when you're young, it's supposed to be the best time of your life, and. Yeah. As you're seeing hands-on, you know, with the name Ryan, it's a lot of responsibility. It's just, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's different. We'll just say that. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's a good responsibility, yes, but it is, uh, it is a lot of responsibility. Well said. Well said. So, Besegs, I want to hit on this week specifically. Not only talk about the great name that is Ryan, not only do, <laughs> some, do some picks, but yep. you are a diehard Nets fan. By far, you and, and uh, a common friend we have, are gr- the great Billy Jack along. Sure. Two of the only true True, diehard Knicks, uh, Nets fans. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. Two of the Ugh. diehard Nets fans that I uh, that I know of. Obviously, your your Nets are in the news a lot lately with the Kevin yeah. uh, Durant, Kyrie Irving, possible James Harden trio lining sure. up there in Brooklyn. What are your thoughts as a Nets fan yourself? You want to see it happen? Well, Ryan, I'm so glad you asked me. That. So I've, <laughs> gone a, I've gone through a lot of different emotions with this. So when I first heard the trade rumor, I did not like it at all, Ryan. I did not like it really? at all. Really? I, I was like, this can't happen. What are the Nets going to do with depth? How are they going to be able to sustain an injury? I love Karis LeVert. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, Jared Allen. I'm one <laughs> of my guys. Torian Prince. All these draft picks. You can't give up, the, you can't give up this. It's going to be three guys and a bunch of no-name players. Then I kind of, Ryan, I got to be honest, I've come to the dark side on it. Really? I've thought about it more and more, and I realized that you get three dudes, obviously. I mean, this is obvious, 
they're going to sign veterans that want to play for a league minimum because they know they have a chance to win a championship. So I think they'll be able to fill out the roster. And I think you just take, you roll the dice and you go with it. And I've seen on your social media, Ryan, I've seen on it, you don't like the fit. And I understand that and I respect that and I get it. But when you get three guys that are that talented, you figure it out and you make it work. When you're 11 years old and you're on the basketball court, you don't say, oh, we got the three guys that are all good shooters, but they're the three best players. You put them together. It, it happens at all levels and continues. I understand it's not the same the level of Wade, Bosch, and LeBron James, but there was concerns. Oh, LeBron and Wade, they're in the same position. How are they going to make this work? And you know what? They did because when you're that talented, you figure it out. And if it blows up, it blows up, but you got to take a risk. And honestly, Ryan – I'm in a risk-taking mood right now. So wow, you're feeling frisky. You you want to take the <laughs> leap. Look at that. Yeah, Love that. All right. Frisky. I, can, I can't, like I said, I have my doubts. You you have come around. I, like, I understand from both sides. I guess my biggest frustration, just like I feel personally, everyone's just overlooking or assuming the fact that these three will get along when personality-wise, mm. as we've seen, this is like unlike any really big three we've ever seen to come together. This This is... We're, we're putting Tinder in a Tinder box here, putting a match nearby and expecting, you know, the match won't light up uh, everything. We'll see. No, there, there is um, potential for this combustibility or whatever the word is. Yeah, I like combustible. that. I mean, there, it's certainly is a for this. it certainly is a chance for this to blow up in everybody's faces and not to work. But if it does work, Ryan, I mean, I can say I've never seen my basketball team win a championship. And I know that let's say they make a trade for James Harden. It, ultimately, it's about winning titles. Mm -hmm. And let's, you're right, maybe it doesn't work. But if it does, I mean, you know. Oh, if it, if it yeah. does and Duran and Harden are flowing on the court and meshing together and it does work, there's not a better trio in the league. So I'm like, you know what? Let's take the chance. Let's roll the dice and um, see what happens. But obviously, we don't even know if this trade is going to happen right. because – uh, it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> there you have. We will see. It, it will be, Mike, it will be interesting to say the least. The attention the entire sporting uh, universe, least NBA-wise, will be on the Nets. The entire yeah. season, which would be pretty yes. cool as well. So Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Attention. What was that? Which is, which is weird for me, Ryan, because like I don't remember, I mean, growing up a Nets fan my whole life. I mean, they were the least the team with the least amount of attention. I mean, nobody cared about them at all. Obviously, they went to the two finals in the early 2000s. Right. And that garnered them some attention. Then VC came here and started to build it a little bit. But it's never been a team that has been popular or looked upon. And, you know, I was not a fan of them moving to Brooklyn at the time. But I know it was ultimately the right thing to do for the franchise and to make some money. But it's a team I've always seen and been like, they're my net losers, and now to see like James Harden wants to be a net is just a weird thing to even say out loud. That is a good problem to have when you got to to figure out: Do we want this guy to come on? Not not that you know we got to convince him. Should we convince ourselves not to do it? It's a great problem. When people want to go play for your team. I'm jealous. Yes, I am. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. As uh, a Knicks fan, I've known very well of players not wanting to come to the Knicks. So I don't know what it is to feel like to have players wanting to come, and you say, eh, maybe maybe we don't need them. It's uh. Yeah, the Nets are doing something right. That is for sure. All right, Pasegs, you ready to make some picks? You talk a lot about food in the Mike Delivers podcast. You're ready to make <laughs> some bold predictions here on Hickey's Pickies. I'm ready to get picky with Hickey. Let's do it. Wow. Let's do it. Week number 11. 
We'll start, there's, like I said, a great slate of games this weekend in both college and NFL. We'll do one college football game here to start for Segs. A top yeah. 10 matchup in the Big Ten. You hinted at it before. Number nine, Indiana. At number three, Ohio State. Indiana getting 20 and a half points. Massive mm. spread. Can the Hoosiers, a basketball school, you know well, can they, can they make it a, a football run here and keep it close? Or is this a Buckeyes domination? Hey, let me be honest with you about about spreads and everything. I did not understand how spreads even worked until about three or four years ago, I want to say. I was producing a morning show on CBS Sports Radio, and we had to do the pick segment. And I did not understand how it even worked. I didn't know it. (laughs) I didn't know it laying. So, okay, I'll say this. I had to do, like, plus and minus. But then a new show came in on the morning, and one of the hosts would say laying points. And I was like, I don't know what laying means. I was I had to Google <laughs> while the host was giving picks when they said they're laying nine, and I said, "Is that the plus one or the minus one?" So it still gets me a little bit confused, to be perfectly honest. And I saw when this pick, I didn't even know their Big Ten was playing football this year. I thought they said they stopped. I was stunned by this. So with all that in mind, I think Ohio State has a really good quarterback. I googled that before we started. So give me the Buckeyes. Um, not laying, but plussing the, the 20 and a half or whatever it is. Well, they, they are laying. They would be laying the points. That is so funny. The only spread you know about food, the only laying you're doing is laying out the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me lay out the roast beef and we can get the carving station. Get out the knives. Get out, get out uh, the horseradish and let's go to pound town with some roast beef. That's what I'm talking about. Spreads. I thought spreads were only about food. What spread are we talking about Sunday night? And now we're talking about spreads on, on the field. <laughs> that is so funny. I'll say this. That mentality. So Lauren Clark was on the first week of, the, of we did Hickey Spickies ever. The first iteration. She didn't okay. know, like, Louisville had a football team. She right. wasn't. Same thing. Didn't know about spreads. She went 5-0. and So honestly, wow. I'm a little worried. You not knowing the Big Ten was back, not knowing about the spreads, like, oh, this guy's going to go 5-0. He's going to go 5-0. No. He's going to crush it. The less you know, the better. No, um, not with me. Not with me, <laughs> man. I, 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 I am bad at this stuff. That's not true. I appreciate you with that mentality, but I don't think you're right with me. But we'll see what happens, I guess. And that's why they say, Ryan, that's why they play the games. That's why they play the games. Well, bad news for you because I haven't really had a good year. I'm going to go with you on Ohio State. This is, okay. a, this is a man amongst boys games. I think this is Ohio State. I'm sorry, great quarterback. They roll. Indiana, great story. Their opponent's record, though, 3-13. and 13. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, Pisegs, as a Penn State fan, I'm still a little salty they lost that first game to Indiana. A little, little hater in me is coming out here. Ohio State, we are, quote-unquote, laying the 20-and-a-half points. Buckeyes roll. We are both on the same page with that one. We'll go All to the right. NFL, Pisegs. Cardinals plus three at the Seahawks tonight. What are you thinking? First off, didn't know that was the Thursday night game. That's a good (laughs) one. Looking forward to that. Now, uh, (laughs) I knew that that's a good game. Now, can I get like, you want me to, you want, I'll pick my own adventure. Should I go like really serious sports guy here and give you my answer here? Or or goofball answer. Which no, way do you let's want go me to goofball. Go? We keep we no, keep no, it light go, here. You know, let me go. I'm going to go with like the serious sports takes. This is wow. the, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to try my best. Okay. All right, Ryan. Here's the thing with Seattle. I'd be worried right now about Russell Wilson. This guy was starting the year as, as an MVP. We were putting him in that conversation. But look at the numbers over the last couple of games. 
He's turning the ball over worse than Daniel Jones. And what's scary is we finally see Seattle last week put a great defensive effort together against the Rams, and then it's Russell Wilson that's, that's the problem. I know we're all feeling high now on Arizona. How about that play from Murray connecting <laughs> with, with Hopkins? One of the best plays you'll ever see. Not a true Hail Mary. Not a true Hail Mary. If you watch the play in slow motion, which I saw Dan Orlovsky do 72 times on SportsCenter. <laughs> but with all of that said, give me Russell Wilson. I think we're all feeling the high of Arizona. I like Seattle big tonight. So wow. I don't remember what the spread was, but give big. me Seattle, whatever that is. So they are so they are get, so they are minus three. So obviously they have to win by more than three. You're yeah. feeling big, so doesn't not a close game. Forget it. We're talking ten points, fourteen, yeah. twenty-one, run up the score. Besegs doesn't care. Seahawks big. Mm-hmm. Good news, Besegs. I'm taking the Cardinals. So we Ooh. we've had the Seahawks a lot on this show doing picks. They played some good games of late. Yeah. I am 0-3 in the last three times that I have picked either a, a Seahawks game, I should say. So I picked them a few times to win, picked them once to lose, they won. I, not good. So I'm taking the Cardinals. So you're in good hands. That streak, I'm sure, is going to continue. So us being different on that, it, it bodes well in your favor. I'll take Arizona. I'm riding the Kyler train. I am. We'll see how it goes. Cardinals getting three at home. I, I'm rolling with it. Okay. All right, we'll go Sunday. Packers are getting two points. So they are plus two on the road, taking on the Colts. Hmm. Well, what does your analyt- analyst well, uh, brain how, how say? How are you feeling about this game? Because I know this is your team. This is, you know, I, I hate to say it, but sakes, I'm yeah. buying in. I, I actually like the Colts in this game. I do. I, 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 it's been a roller coaster ride. I really don't like Phillip Rivers, but he sucked me in. I can't lie. I, I really shouldn't <laughs> fall for this shiny object. He played well last week. I'm buying. Yeah. I'm a sucker. I can't do it. I'm taking the Colts. He had his best game, um, probably. And you, you would know better than me, but it sounds like he had the best game of his Colts career last yes. weekend. Although the way he was throwing the ball around, strange looking. It's but tough that's to... Philip Rivers. He's a shot the putter. Pa- you know, pa- the Packers here barely hung on versus Jacksonville. Clearly, they were probably overlooking them and not taking them seriously. I'm with you, Hickey. I'm taking the Colts because Whoa! I don't want to come. I can't come on your show and pick against your team. That would not be right. I would feel bad about it. I would have to go talk to somebody for hours. I'm going with the Colts. I'm going with your team, and we'll ride or die together on this one. Wow. Both on Colts minus two. Look at us. Great minds think alike there, Besegs. Great minds right, think baby. alike. Revenge game on Sunday Night Football, Besegs. Mm. Chiefs minus seven. At the Raiders, have you seen what's going on this week between Andy Reid and John Gruden at all? No, I have not. What's going on? Okay. So, when these teams played in week five, the Raiders won in Kansas City. John yeah. Gruden ordered the buses to take a victory lap around the stadium. He wow. claims to spite the bus driver. I guess the bus driver was talking to him smack before the game. So, when the Raiders <laughs> came back and won, he said, you know what? Bus driver, to rub it in your face, we're taking a victory lap. Well, wow. this got back to Andy Reid. He is pissed. Yeah. He's talking about it. You know, they won the game. Do whatever we want. That's not our style. The Chiefs' social media is tweeting about how, you know, we, we let our play the, do the talking. The Chiefs are legitimately furious wow. about this. So maybe that has a little extra motivation. Maybe that changes their pick at all. But the Chiefs are favored by a touchdown at the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Which way are you, uh, you leaning? That's a great bus driver story. I like that. Right? Tremendous stuff right there. Who do has anybody been able to track down or find this bus driver? Do we I know haven't, who this is? I haven't seen the bus driver. John Gruden confirmed that a victory lap was taken, but I haven't seen anything about a bus driver. Right. 
maybe, you know, as a driver yourself, Besegs, uh, you know, maybe you can have a driver-to-driver, bus-driver-to-Uber driver discussion on the podcast next week. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it really would. I mean, as somebody that's a professional in the business, I can tell you, you have to take <laughs> this crap seriously, so I get where he's coming from. On the football side of things, I think the cliche answer, and it's it might be the right one, is but can the Chiefs really go down to the Raiders twice in a season? Is that even feasible? I don't think that happens, but I do think the Raiders keep this close. I think we have a nice little rivalry brewing here. So give me oh, give, give me uh, Las Vegas, excuse me. Keep this bad boy close, wow. but the Chiefs ultimately win because they're angry about a bus driver. So I'll say this, Pesegs. I'm like a massive college football fan. This mm-hmm. this is a very college football feel, where like you have True. a coach yeah. or like a player like just take a small chip, you know, and just right. like make it a big thing for a rivalry game. Yeah. And usually that, that kind of works out for the team that's upset. I am honestly buying in to Andy Reid being pissed. I don't think he's going to take his mm. foot off the I think I think this could be a game where he wow. won't take a victory lap, but he'll just run at the score so much to let John Green know, hey, that, that bleep doesn't fly in my house. Don't you dare try to do that again. I, right. There could be like a 50 spot here. I, I think the wow. Chiefs I think the Chiefs win. I, I, th- I think they run it up. I think they, whatever, they're not taking Patrick Holmes out. Fourth quarter up by like, you know, three touchdowns. I think they're going for the jugular. I think this could get we, ugly. We haven't seen Hickey. We haven't seen the Chiefs. Obviously, they're playing great. They only have the one loss in the year. They're, they're winning football games. But have we seen them really put together like that full Chiefs game yet? Has that even happened yet? Um, no. That I would right. agree with you. With you're, you're correct. You are correct. So they haven't really given you a reason to believe maybe. But maybe this is the week. Maybe this right. is the week maybe Andy Reid just goes, we're taking out all the stops here. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I know my sports. I'm glad I could point <laughs> that out. <laughs> All right, so we disagree on the Raiders, Chase. We disagree on the Cardinals, Seahawks. We're in agreement with Ohio State, agreement with the Colts. Last game on the slate here, Besegs, R- Monday Night Football. Rams mm-hmm. are getting three and a half points at the Buccaneers. Um, the getting is the plus one? Yes, the Rams are plus three and a half. Sorry. Boy, talk about a team that's confusing to figure out in Tampa, Tampa Bay. One week they look great. The next week they look terrible. It's, it's a, There's no middle ground with Tom Brady. He looks like he's the Brady of 2012. He's shot. He can't play anymore. It really has been that kind of narrative on that. And I, I think I think the I think the, the Buccaneers win again. I think Brady's got a back-to-back solid games. I know the Rams have played better football than than what people expected before the year started. They've been on the rebound a little bit from last year's kind of down downward season. Uh, give me Tampa Bay in this spot. I like Tom Brady. Um, they've got guys I've heard of, so I'm going to pick them. I am. I'm with you, actually. I, I, I like last week's game. I thought, like, you're right. It's one week they're really good. One week they're really bad. I, th- I mean, they played really good last week. I think they'll play well again. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm with. I think they play mm. well. I think they get the okay. win. And they beat the uh, the Rams. So we're in agreement Ohio State. Nice. Minus 20 and a half. We disagree on the Cardinals plus three. You have the Seahawks. I have the Cardinals. We agree on the Colts minus two. We disagree. I have the Chiefs minus seven. You have the Raiders plus seven. We both agree Buccaneers minus three and a half. All right, Pasegs, before we get out of here, an upset special. This is when, after you go 5-0, and oh, you can really make your mark, take over first place, predict an upset, and get bonus points to really cement yourself ahead of the competition. What game are you looking at? You say, you know what? I feel an upset here. I feel good about the underdog. Right. Uh, so I can pick any game that I want? Any game that you want. As long as the spread's a little bit bigger than five. Any underdog coverage, cool. you get one point. 
I don't. Um, you have you have uh, you have some games in front of me you can throw at me real quick. Wow. Uh, Let me give me uh, one second here. Oh, so but I was supposed to be prepared with it, right? This is a, this is a poor job on me. This is me screwing up. I'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus. I'll just say yeah, everyone not, else I'm has had a Kansas had a. City. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you said you like the NFL better. So we'll go with the NFL games. How about this? The okay. Titans are are plus six against the Ravens. Okay. The Jaguars. You know what, I, I know. It, I know what it is off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. Let's see on this. Let's. I'm going to go with the Jags. Not. I'm going to go plus with the Jags. Ten. Plus ten. Versus the Steelers. That one I knew. I knew I had something prepared for me. Give me the Jags. Wow. Against the Steelers. I. I Big Ben, he's getting lazy. He's the, he's like a tutor now in the middle of the week. He doesn't practice <laughs> anymore. Give me the Jags here. Give me the Jags here. <laughs> I love that. I love the reasoning. Um, I'm going to go in college football. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Bedlam. A rivalry game. We just talked about rivalries. I love the rivalry game. Oklahoma State, I like the way they're playing this year. They're getting seven points on the road. Give me the points. I think Oklahoma okay. State gets a rare upset and finishes it off. So I like that you're going Jaguars. I'll go Oklahoma State. We agree on the Buccaneers. We disagree. You have the Raiders. I have the Chiefs. We both are on the Colts. You have the Seahawks. I have the Cardinals. We both are on Ohio State. Hickeys, Pickies, Week 11. Download Mike Delivers Podcast. Recently talked to Ryan Rucco, a great namesake. Ryan talking about his son, Ryan. No big deal. Mike Delivers Podcast on iTunes, Apple, everywhere you can download podcasts. Is that correct, Mike? That's correct. If you're a Google user, if you like Stitcher, Spotify, you find it. It's there. Just type in Mike Delivers. I appreciate the plug. If you want to hear my adventures on the road as an Uber Eats driver and all the crazy shenanigans that happens, interview celebrities about uh, food delivered to their house. That's as deep as it gets, and uh, it's there for y'all. And especially now with the pandemic, with everyone ordering mm. food, I'm sure you are busier than ever, which means more opportunities for some zaniness, for some craziness, and hopefully yeah. – because we all love entertainment, stories that go wrong. I'm sure that is, that is always, that's, I mean, again, it's you're the one delivering, so we don't, we don't want it for you, but hearing the stories afterwards are always, always exciting, always a fun part. Yeah, there was a guy I picked up from a restaurant yesterday, an Italian restaurant. The guy was sitting in the front, and he was just sneezing on the pizza. I thought it was odd. <laughs> you get stuff like that. <laughs> Holy cow. Mike Delivers Podcast. Masek, thanks for coming on, buddy. Really do appreciate the time. You got it, Hickey. Anytime you need me, man. Call my cell, 201 Never mind. <laughs> oh, are we on the air? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Later, Besegs. Bye. The great Mike Besega. Mike delivers podcast again. See, you hear Mike. He's a character. We had him on for 20 minutes. Fun laughs. A lot of good stories already. You get that every single week on the Mike Delivers podcast. Highly, highly suggest you listen to it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Appreciate all you who tuned in, all you who listened. We hopefully made your Thursday a little bit better. Got you a little closer to the weekend. Um, we appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Stay safe and stay sane. We'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.